It is I Don't Get It, the pop culture get off my lawn <laughs> cast, featuring the open-minded musings of two mid-40s curmudgeons, staring on the prospect of entertainment irrelevance. I am your co-host, Bill Scurry, the founder and proprietor of a thing called American Caesar Enterprises, which is an eccentric chocolatier which keeps misplacing children in its factory. <laughs> I am joined. Oh man! Well, if if only, if only, wouldn't that be fun? I would. I would definitely. I would like to get lost in a chocolate forest or something like that. Here's but, the question: Did yeah. Did Willy Wonka know what was going to happen? Did he know that Charlie was the only honest one, and that the other kids would get hoisted by their own petards, as it were? No, I think he knew that the kids would go away. I just didn't know if he knew which kid would go via which. You know, maybe there were more rooms, there were more traps, and we only went through the first, you know, four or five of them. So who knows, right? But but what if they were all rotten? You know, like what if Charlie was rotten too? I mean, I think he kind of knew. Because it's interesting how when he, well, I, I don't remember in the book, which even though it was my favorite book as a kid, but when he welcomes him at the gate, he spends like a minute with each of the kids, but then Charlie, he just completely brushes off. He's like, hi, well, hi, let's go. You know, so he kind of, he kind of plays this game of acting like Charlie's, he's least interested. Do you know, you know what, that that's the pickup term. That's negging. He was negging Charlie. He was negging Charlie yeah, yeah, and, yeah. and Jack Albertson. By the way, who am I talking to? Who is my co-host? Uh, I'm nobody. Uh, my name is Noah Tarno. I am founder, <laughs> senior quiz master of the big quiz thing. Uh, America's premier provider these days of, and for a while of uh, virtual corporate and private trivia events uh, in the midst of a busy season. And uh, isn't it a busy season for all of us in one form or another? It's the busy season of the witch. We're recording this on Halloween. Though, that's so. right. We're recording this on Halloween, right? That is, well, the other night you watched our buddy Kevin Mars uh, Halloween video show, right? Which no, was, I, it was too I, late. It was it was three in the morning. I, I couldn't stay really? up Really? Yeah. Oh, I thought I saw your name in the little comments there. Nah. Oh, anyway, I got the first half hour and then it was dragged off to dinner, but uh, I really got to ping him because I want to watch the rest of that again. But he showed the preview for Halloween 3 Season of the Witch, which is Halloween 3 Season of the Witch is a bad movie, but the preview is great. I'm going to tell you a story, Noah. Yeah. About Please our topic this week. Um, Please tell me a story. We are discussing. Please tell me something good, man. Please. We are discussing something the American public. Well, that's a good question. I don't even know what we'd call this, but I, in my notes, I have this listed as pandemic reunions and it is literally the the televisual slash um video uh zoomal type phenomenon wherein uh people who were entertainers or actors who were part of a, a show or movie yeah something yeah. that something that was uh, in the past that there was a lot of you know still fan enthusiasm for they're brought together not that this hasn't ever happened before, because the Today Show has been doing this for years and, you know, comic conventions have been getting these panels together for decades. The idea is that as people were locked inside their house, a couple of um, wags, as we like to call them, inside the business, as we like to call it, said, hey, um, you know what would be fun is if, let's get together the people who did these things that we all still talk about and we all love and let's get the actors in their older states to... You know, to, to, to meet up with people they probably haven't seen in a long time because this was a gig that they did and maybe they never acted with these, these same people again on TV. Maybe it's been 30 years. Maybe it's been 10 years. But let's get casts of famous TV shows, beloved shows and movies back together. And because we're all locked in our houses and so are the celebrities, these have tended to be on Zoom and various um, networking apps. The I, Whether this is the first of them or not, I think I credit my head Josh Gad, the execrable, yeah. uh, odious Josh Gad, the voice of the... 
that voice of that fucking uh, snow snowman guy. He came up with a series on book, book Book of Mormon. Book of Mormon. I mean, I didn't see him in Book of Mormon, no. but Book of Mormon is a great musical, and apparently he was great in it. He's got one the series that he's built on YouTube. I think it was yeah, I think it was on YouTube. It's called uh, yeah. Reunited Reunited Apart. Apart. So um, he started out by getting a couple of these big casts. I mean, Josh Gad, I want to say, I think is 44. He's just a little younger than we are, but generally of the same generation. No, he is 39. Okay, 39. So he's, he's, up in the, he's up in the wheelhouse there. So he loves all these things that were, you know, just mainstays of our pop culture as a child. He loves Ferris Bueller's Day Off. He loves Lord of the Rings, Goonies, Back to the Future, Ghostbusters, Splash, John Hughes movies, etc., etc., etc. How I don't know what pull he had, but he had a lot of goodwill to get the casts, you know, the people who were both either willing to talk, safe to talk to, and or still alive— they managed to get most of them back into a Zoom room and uh, they condensed these these talks down to about an hour, maybe a 90-minute package. And in a lot of cases, like I said, it was the first time a lot of these actors have seen each other in a long time. So they were ex- exhibiting something that looked like fairly natural camaraderie amongst each other, especially if they had a good experience filming it. Examples of this phenomenon, they're talking about things that have endured. So there is a story and it's not just they arbitrarily get together the cast of um, Zero Dark Thirty or something that was, I'm sure, very good. <laughs> Nobody, nobody, nobody wants to talk about it still today in the way they're going to talk about Ferris Bueller's Day Off. So We, we get together the cast of uh, She's the Sheriff and talk about <laughs> memories of... Uh, I don't know. Right, along the She's way. the Sheriff's always my, my go-to of the, the, the ridiculous TV show. How did it get made? And you haven't thought about it in 30 years. Literally, it is the result of... Uh, it's a phenomenon when it's impossible to create new entertainment. Uh, or as I wrote in my notes, when the cast... When hell is full... The cast of Happy Endings <laughs> shall walk the earth. <laughs> I'm amazed. Happy Days. I'm amazed Marion Ross is still alive. How old is she? Oh, no, I said Happy Endings, but yes, Happy Days. Oh, were, Happy. I thought I said Happy Day. Well, that's no. another one. Happy yes. Endings was another Both of these shows have rejoined. So you take whichever joke, whichever play of that joke you want, fill it in. Marion Ross is 92 last week. Yeah, sure. I mean, she's, yeah, all the all rest. Right. Tom Bosley's her. been dead for a good couple of years now. So, yeah, like yeah, she's, yeah. She's, she's the last uh, last man standing, as it were. Plenty of people in Happy Days, just that generation. That's what I'm saying. The last of that generation, I said. Okay. So, yeah. um, a bunch of these, you know, these reunions have been sometimes for different purposes. Sometimes it's just for shits and giggles. Sometimes they've been fundraisers. Also, my notes here as I'm writing my intro, I wrote Hollywood is is constantly trying to balance its desire to celebrate itself with the potential to raise funds for lefty charities while also giving added value to newly launched streaming services, which can't create new content at a critical moment in their birth. There's a lot of different examples to talk about, but it's the phenomenon. I mean, I'm sure you know intimately better some, I have to admit, I have not watched, I'm familiar with this because you know, I was paying attention to these when they came out, but I really, the only one I really watched from start to finish was Lord of the Rings because the rest of these I can kind of take or leave. And and the bits and pieces I, I dipped in and out of some of these were, were, I just thought, you know, not interesting enough to stay with. So I'm, I'm here to ask you, I know I've come here today to ask you, what do you think about pandemic reunions and, and, and how have you uh, viewed them so far? You glossed over what I think is one of the most important aspects of this. And this is, well, the launching off point was this New York Magazine article. Not Josh Gad's little series, but 
a lot of these, certainly the ones that have gotten the most press, are political fundraisers, right? No, I did, and here I did, we I did are. say that. I said that. You, you glossed over it completely. The first one that really caught my attention and the first of the three I watched was the Princess Bride one. And that was to raise money for a Wisdoms, Wisconsin Democrats. And basically they got almost every important living. They couldn't get Fred Savage. I heard he's a Republican. I don't know if that's true. Andre the Giant's dead. Peter Falk is dead. But they basically got everyone else who mattered together on a big Zoom call. They read the script and it was very cute. Wallace Shawn doesn't look any more awful than he did back then, but Carrie Elwes and Robin Wright and Chris Sarandon looked fantastic. Billy Crystal was there and Carol Kane was there and Rob Reiner did Peter Falk's part and your buddy Josh Gad did Andre the Giant, which was, I don't know why, but okay. Christopher Guest was there and it was really fun and they raised a lot of money for Wisdoms. Then I watched the West Wing one, which was very different. It wasn't a Zoom call. They must have spent a ton of money on this. They got together on a stage in LA. John Spencer's dead. They had Sterling K. Brown play his part, but they picked an episode that was pretty much just in the White House, small cast, and they got everyone. They had Martin Sheen, they had Rob Lowe, they had Allison Jenny, they had Dulé Hill, they had my girl, Janelle Maloney, and they acted out the scene on stage with minimal props and minimal sets. Um, yeah, that was, that was that was restaged by Tommy Schlamme, who was like the director yeah. of the series. He was the guy. Yeah, Sorkin was there. I'm sure Sorkin spent hours picking the perfect episode for this, and in many ways it was. Uh, and then I watched the Seinfeld one, which they didn't do a script. It was um, Julie Louis-Dreyfus, Jason Alexander, and Larry David, hosted by Seth Meyers. It was basically a Q&A. And that was for Texas Democrats. And they had like guests asking questions. They had Beto O'Rourke. They had the Castro twins. Uh Oh, and the West Wing one was for whatever the We All Vote charity organization, which was created by uh, Michelle Obama. So these are political fundraisers. And our launching off point was the um, the New York Mag article that said, this is something that Republicans can't do. Who are the actors who support Republicans? Scott Baio. They're washed up losers. Yeah. Scott Baio. The Happy Days one was funny. They did Happy Days. They got Marion Ross. They got Harry Winkler. They got Ron Howard. They got Anson Williams. And they got... Um, Donnie Most. They did not get Scott Bayo because Scott Bayo is a very open, very projection happy. Yeah. Oh, he, I remember he said at the convention four years ago, Donald Trump isn't becoming president for him. He's doing it for you. Okay. And the little kerfuffle was John Stamos volunteered to play the Chachi part. I didn't watch that. And I didn't watch the Spinal Tap one, which was also for some political group because those ones, I think, made a huge strategic error in that you could only watch them while they were happening and the other ones let you give money later so you could watch them later why not that's one advantage virtual entertainment has over live entertainment because you can watch it later like i gave 20 bucks to texas democrats later so i watched the seinfeld thing later that's the important thing that it's this political thing and so it's very much of the time not just because of pandemic but also because of this extremely extremely important and intense election this wasn't how it started out it started out as um i mean as it ground closer towards the election it it transmogrified into something of common purpose but at the beginning it was simply like let's get people's minds off of this because everyone's really freaked out and i mean that's the impression it left me you know there's so many of them there's something for everyone uh you know i love spinal tap i love west wing i love the princess bride so i was very much want to watch all of that but i look at some of these like josh gad did ferris bueller's day off i love that movie but I don't I don't really need to see these idiots talking to each other. I get it. Nostalgia is especially comforting now because of the pandemic. Um, you know, these are fun. Why would they not be fun? It's a smart way of using the tools and limitations of quarantine and pandemic and social distancing to you know, create entertainment. I'm I'm very much an admirer of that. These people who've done plays and different things over Zoom or similar tools. I 
I think that's smart. And I like how a lot of them have that experimental rough around the edges thing. The West Wing one was incredibly polished, but all the rest had issues of, oh, so-and-so's mic is not the, the guy. They got some model who has albinism, an albino, to play the albino part in Princess Bride because the actor who played him is dead and whatever and not really an albino. So they got some model who released it. And, he, and like basically all his lines were gone because he forgot to turn his microphone on. And the Seinfeld one even had some some uh, some flaws to it. So you like that. It's it's kind of like the, hey, celebrities are just like us. It's using that to smart effect. On the other hand, I kind of feel like well, they still haven't figured it out. Like the West Wing one was so polished, but then they have the interstitials where they talk about encouraging young people to vote. Well, what young people are watching a West Wing reunion, right? The show's been off the air for 15 years. They also had an interesting thing where they were talking about how, you know, mail-in voting is perfectly safe. There is no voter fraud. That's a myth. And you could say they did a good job of debunking voter fraud, and they really did if you listen to it on its merits. But again, who of those people are watching the West Wing? Yeah, the all, only people who all believe a, in voter... It's a, yeah, it's a converted choir. Right. You're right. The, the only people who watch, you know, West Wing was an incredibly liberal show. I mean, how many conservatives watch the West Wing? And only only conservatives believe in voter fraud because it doesn't happen. These are fun and they push nostalgia buttons. So, yeah, I like them. And I like that there seems to be one for everyone. I enjoy this. What about you? Um, no, you know, I thought at its worst, really? to, be on, to be honest. The, I mean, I guess if you only watch the Lord of the Rings one. Well, the, 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 the 30 Rock one really struck me. I watched a bunch of that and... And uh, the 30 Rock one was designed for Peacock. It was, you know, it came around the same time NBC was, NBC was launching Peacock. They didn't have anything new to put there because it came out at the right, you know, right at the wrong time. So uh, they decided to make a Zoom episode of 30 Rock as if it was in the annals of 30 Rock. They were getting, the characters yeah. in the show were getting back together. Oh, I forgot. I watched the Princess of, uh, Princess. I watched the Father of the Bride one. I watched that with my sister and that was the same thing. It was the family living in pandemic and the little adventure a 30-minute adventure of the family living in the pandemic. Right. That's another variation of it. Anyway, continue. Uh, you know, it didn't... It, that, I don't want to see... I, I Not like you said, I don't think that they're... Um, it's not embargo, you know, that you can't make entertainment that follows the Zoom structure. There is things you can do about it. Like you said, some plays have, have used that. But I mean, I really think they should be wary about how much they want to employ this. As normal as it may be for us to look at conferencing software, I don't think people really want to keep their noses in it. I mean, 30 Rock, I don't think worked. It looked like it was an idea that they rushed out. They decided, well, Peacock needs something, you know, to sell some reason for you to go to Peacock alone. Let's make this thing up and, you know, rush it to Peacock. It didn't do anything to help anyone other than NBC launching a streaming service. And the episode wasn't that great. So it just sort of fell on the dock like a fish that was pulled out of a net. The Josh Gad ones, you know, were just sort of built out of enthusiasm. At I would say at best enthusiasm, at worst, to answer your question about why does uh, why does Josh Gad have to play Andre the Giant, it's because Josh Gad has to <laughs> cosplay in our childhoods. It's, it's not enough that he loves it. these things. It's like he wants to retroactively have been in these things. They couldn't get a pro wrestling. Like, oh my God, how delightful would it have been if they had gotten Mick Foley, outspoken liberal. Instead, you have to get Josh Gad because there is a fucking oh. USRDA minimum requirement of Josh Gad must be in our bloodstream at any time. <laughs> and this this man is terrible. I really, I will be, I will be happy to watch Josh Gad die in a grease fire. And I think oh, million, come on. millions of Americans Stop. also Stop. want to see him suffer of miserably. Of all the people, of all the people you want to see suffer, Josh Gad, give me a break. Man. I can't stand him. The villains who are out there in this country right now and Josh Gad is the one. They're not doing as much to damage the American psyche as Josh oh, Gad is. Oh, stop, stop.
I cannot believe I'm about to say these words. Please welcome the cast of the Goonies. Why are these so popular? And I'm sorry, I want to keep our eye on the ball. I think the more interesting aspect is is the political aspect. No, that certainly so, is. It certainly is. It's transmogrified into that, but yeah. Right. So you got it why they're popular and why they're happening now, but let's dig a little deeper. Why are they fodder for political fundraisers and, 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 as the New York Magazine article, the headline was something like, uh, pop culture reunions are the Democrats' secret weapon. So why are these all for, I mean, let's face it, Democratic causes? I mean, the West Wing one is basically to get us all to vote, which is nominally nonpartisan, but the way the Trump cult Republican Party has moved, basically getting people to vote has suddenly become a partisan issue. I I text regularly to swing state voters on behalf of a nonpartisan group trying to get people to vote. And we just get angry MAGA people telling us we're trying to steal the election by getting people to vote. So why is this a Democratic thing? And if they were so inclined, how could Republicans counter? I have some ideas. Well, I mean, my notes on this subject are really the the, the primal uh, urges, which are the competing impulses of nostalgia and diversion. You know, only lately have they started, you know, talking about getting 70s cast together. Uh, that sort of thing, which suggests this is a cultural Achilles heel that our generation has that could be cynically exploited and pandered to. But I mean, you're asking for, uh, you know, the, the sort of more version 2.0 mold of this is that it's become democratic. I mean, you, you, the reason why that's obviously is because the actors in Hollywood and the town itself, even though it may be conservative with a small C, these are lefties. These are a bunch of what, uh, you know, mm-hmm. what they would call the limousine liberals. And, you know, there's there's as much as there are middle class yeah, people yeah. in Hollywood, there's a, there's a lot of Rob Reiners, let's say. These are the people who have always been outspoken, uh, outspoken lefties and people who have social justice on their minds. And, you know, certainly not all the actors, but I would say an overwhelming amount of actors, especially now, identify as being on our quote unquote side. Why can't Republicans use this? I mean, I'm, I'm always inclined to say, you know, well, what's Occam's razor here is that, first of all, they don't have the endless uh, ranks and ranks and ranks of, 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 you know, supply, the warehouses and grain silos filled with celebrities who were there <laughs> to do these things, right? Where they can sell yes, these things by yes. the hectare or the metric ton. Yes. Yes, you find you find me the fondly remembered TV show that has a critical mass of cast members who support the Republican Party in 2020. Right, I, I can't imagine what it is. I'm trying to think amongst the I mean, uh, hee haw. I don't know. Right, and I'm sure Roy Clark. Who knows? He might have been. But I mean, you know, after after you get, away I actually from, like Roy. Cl- I, Roy Clark was a pretty talented guy. He was. I like he, to think Roy Clark voted Democrat, but yeah, I don't no, know. Roy maybe, Clark. Maybe he I might have look been, it up. Maybe he did. He might have been like an old school Linda Johnson uh, uh, Democrat. Yeah, you might. Yeah. But I mean, uh, beyond Fra- uh, Frazier and you know Scott Bayo, I mean, and I guess fucking Kirk Cameron. It, it's not a deep bench. You don't really. It's it's it looks like misfits. That's the other thing too. I'm not just trying to like say, oh, you got to be an A list. You have to be on some show. The people they do trot out look very very unusual very suspect very shaky it's always these quasi demi celebrities people who look like they've lived through better days people and then by the time when you get to the scott bayo ring of hell you're not just an actor who was on a tv show at one point that america loved you have become a lunatic you've become james woods somebody's out there just spouting a fucking megaphone of bullshit like unparsable and 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 empirically wrong facts disinformation they could they could get a they could get little wayne and ice cube and a few other rich rappers together to 
<laughs> to collaborate on a, on a rap song. And that'll really get the Trumpies excited. Actually, it, it might get a few more unsexcited. I, I mean, much like in society, it makes no difference of whether you're, you're an actor, a famous actor, a mid-level actor, a washed-up actor, or my fucking aunt somewhere out in Suffolk County, Long Island. Chances are, if you support the Republicans right now, you are an antisocial, inhumane Looney Tunes. And honestly, it doesn't matter what your fucking job was in 1987 on NBC. Am I wrong? Not according to me. <laughs> so why is it popular? Nostalgia, we've been talking about this a lot of topics on the show for years now, but nostalgia is like a snowball. You know, everything is folding back in on itself. And it's one of the many trends, perhaps disturbing trends, that have been accelerated by quarantine. The desire for when things were quote unquote normal, the desire for better days, comfort food. This is America in crisis, right? Nostalgia, you seek nostalgia for warmth. People want to get the political thing. People want to get involved, right? They want to get involved, but maybe they're scared of disease or maybe they're tied up with their kids doing virtual schooling and I'm going to lose my job and all that. So they're not inclined to hit the streets or maybe they lost their job. They really don't want to just donate money. So this is a very canny, crafty way to get people to donate money. You're giving them something they really want. They really want the Seinfeld Q&A. They really want to see the West Wing. Oh, my West Wing. You know, the dream of a of an intellectual, basically honest president and people tackling big issues in an honest method. I mean, the West Wing was always that way. Part of the reason it was popular was during the Bush years. It was the fantasy of the, the smart, engaged president. And the Seinfeld one, they kept put they had the little meter on the side, give money, give money, give money, and it was working. Also, a you know, uh, uh, register for a volunteer shift. You could do it from home. Seth Meyers was pushing it. He was really good at it. They've made it easy to get people to volunteer, considering the circumstances, you know, considering disease and the pushback from the Republican Party, they've made it easier to vote. I mean, this is this is how you win. This is democracy. This is smart democracy. They are doing it well. So the Republican issue. For all the reasons you state, because they only have the losers and the detritus of show business. Also, Republicans are always behind the curve with new technology. It's the reason Obama, the Obama coalition kicked their asses in 08, because they had mastered the new social media and the new online organizing in a way that the Republicans couldn't catch up to. They they caught up by 16 through nefarious purposes, right? Democrats are ahead of the curve of that. If we're still in pandemic in 2024 or 2022, I think they're going to try this, but they're still knocking on doors right now. I think there are ways Republicans could do this if they really wanted to. I joke, but maybe they could get some of those rappers who support Trump together. I mean, it would be a shit show and who knows what voters it would push because most Republican supporters think Ice Cube and Lil Wayne are useful idiots at best i think the or they could probably get some country stars together right are you saying they couldn't get freaking hank williams jr and i don't want to besmirch anyone else but who are the other country stars who who have openly supported republicans uh, most of them get like a, a good deal of them yeah right well i don't know i mean i don't listen to that but what celebrities do like republicans a lot uh, who are we forgetting I not country stars yes i, not I believe stupid your, rappers. your conjecture was that it was athletes athletes i saw yesterday bobby Orr, nhl legend says trump's the kind of teammate i'd want fuck you they're canadian but wayne gretzky has supported trump too which is heartbreaking that's awful that's terrible get a q a of nfl legends get a q a of nhl legends i mean yeah these guys are boring and it would probably be boring to anyone who isn't already all the way up the ass of hockey or football history i don't want to give them any good ideas but 
they probably make a lot of money and get some people involved. You know what? The, the only Achilles... But they're too behind the times to put... The only together. flaw to that... Uh, I mean, I, I understand you're offering them uh, your services free of charge to help them out of a real tough yes, spot. And exactly. I'm sure they appreciate exactly. that. But I think that the... I, no, they, they turn to me. The yeah. flaw of that plan is that, um, you know, you're talking about appealing almost exclusively to, first of all, retired athletes, not necessarily people who are still in the yes. game. People still in the yeah. game have skin depending on what city they play in. So, you know, what are yes. you going to do? You're going to get a Met? Are you going to get a, a, you know, a white sock to come out? I mean, you know, the, the people cannot, they don't have the freedom right now being able to um, be on the opposite side of whatever major metropolitan area that they're in. And then, if, if, you know, the, the beyond that, you have the idea that right now sports have taken a hard, hard turn in the Colin Kaepernick direction and that, you know, if you're not supporting your black teammates right now, you really are being seen as, as you're left behind. Or you're, it right. Well, I agree with you. All the more reason to lean hard into nostalgia. To, to play this game. Remember when sports weren't political? Ha ha ha. I know, but... And get the five white retired NFL guys who these Trump fans still jerk off right. over. Get them to answer dumbass questions but online you, and make let's, money. Let's, let's they're say, just stupid. They're, they're leaving money and political engagement on the I'm going to say a couple opinion. of names that... Forgive me if they're dead. Forgive me if they've been dead for a while. But if you get, you know, Y.A. Tittle or Johnny Unitas, you know, any one of these guys, like you said, the, the old guy who was throwing the ball in 1977 or something like that, you know, it's still... No one remembers who they are. They've cycled out. Johnny Unitas is dead. He died on the first anniversary of 9-11. I think Y.A. Tittle's also dead. But it's like, I'm going to look up Y.A. Tittle. Like Nolan Ryan. I don't know. Who are, who are the, these shit kickers you'd get out there? These guys who threw the ball for the, for the Astros or whatever. Y.A. Tittle's dead. Y. Tittle, they're all dead. My point is, is that if they're not dead, they're, they might as well dig up their cadaver and bring out a bone, you know, bring out their bones <laughs> and sit them in a chair because they were relevant. And you're right. With the, with the jersey on. The only yeah. people who would remember them essentially are the antiquated voter, the, um, you know, the 91-year-old mall walker who's scared of Fox News every night and believes in the gold standard that Glenn Beck is telling them, that's who they're going to remember. That's who's going to remember their careers because they've been cycled out of culture so fast. You've got an overdeveloped sense of vengeance. It's going to get you into trouble someday. He cut to the count. He flicks his sword at Inigo's heart, and Inigo parries the thrust with the six-fingered sword. The cat steps back, goes for the heart again. Again, he manages to parry the thrust. No, Turner, tell me, would you have liked the phenomenon of pandemic reunions when you were a younger person? Well, this is an interesting topic for us because in some ways this topic is not valid for what we talk about. The supposed remit of our show is that we look at something young people are into, but this is something more older people are into, right? That's kind of the whole point of it, yeah, right? It kind of, yeah, it kind of doesn't so, work the other way, you're right. We've made this exception before. I wouldn't be into it because I wouldn't care about these shows. I would have barely heard of Happy Days. I mean, as it is, Happy Days is like reminding me of being a real little kid. I don't think I would have engaged. I mean, who knows what I would have liked? Who knows what I'd be into if I were in my 20s now? Also, I was not, I'm ashamed of this, I was not very politically engaged till probably the 2000 election, till I was in my mid-20s. And it's sad because I cared about politics. I really did. But like, I told you how the first time I voted for president in 1996, I literally could only vote because Minnesota, where I was in school at the time, had same-day registration. It had never occurred to me to register. Even though I did care about politics, if you would ask me, I would have told you I cared about politics, but it just didn't occur to, occur to me to get involved enough to even register and vote for Bill Clinton, who I supported, who I wanted to win. I just wasn't into politics, so I wouldn't have felt the need to support Wisconsin Dems. I don't see what would have been there for me. I guess if there was a show or a movie that I had a fondness for, for whatever reason, I might have wanted to engage with the reunion. I just see me having no use for this. 
Yeah, there wasn't really nostalgia culture so much for us when we were a kid. I mean, you know, that's the irony is that all the stuff we're talking about now was was our that was our monoculture when we were a kid. We lived through this Back to the Future. We lived through Splash. We lived through all these things in the day and age in which they, you know, were were, um, they were launched. That was the that was the meal we were fed, not just, you know, community or shows that have only been off the air for six months already getting a reunion special. You know, these things that already had spotty, patchy popularity are being, you know, like, oh, these are golden treasures that you guys wanted. It's like, I remember this being shuffled around. I remember the show, the showrunners being cast out. Like, and it's like, I think we're doing ourselves a disservice by saying these were, you know, American treasures uh, on, on par with Mark Twain. But I mean, I wasn't I wasn't into the nostalgia and the diversion necessarily. And I, you know, today I still I think that there's still enough good culture out there that you don't need to go back and mine what it's like to watch Dirty Dancing again or, you know, in terms in terms of the political engagement, it's interesting because you know, up at the top, you started mentioning we're the same exact age, we were in high school at the same time. But I remember in '92 that MTV, you know, which by that point had been what it was 10 years old, 11 years old, or something like that. So, '92, it was 11 years, 11 old. years old. So, yeah, I mean, they, they had well, they actually already shed a few skins, they had already had a couple of identities by the time you get to '92, but they did something very savvy in '92. And I remember there was a lot of culture circling around that Democratic convention that year, and there were a lot of movies that took place in it. It, it was strange, yeah. but that, like, that Bill Clinton. Uh, election cycle, you know, with Bill Clinton going on Arsenio Hall and, and using the saxophone yeah. and all that stuff. MTV did rock the vote for the first year. You know, obviously yeah. they didn't do that in the Dukakis-Bush election. Oh, come on. No one's more rock and roll than Michael Dukakis. Right, in that tank. He gets a bad rap. Right Michael no, Dukakis was a smart guy, yes. Korean War vet. Yeah. All right? Don't shit on Michael Dukakis. I'm not. He was a bad candidate. But, uh, you know, yeah, that, he was that would, hardly, a bad hardly candidate. someone. Yeah, that was, was that would have been a disaster for America. I'm so glad we avoided him being president. Blah, 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 blah. Like, I remember watching videos of Dave Mustaine, the lead singer of uh, Megadeth, was going around at the convention. He was their floor man. You know, MTV did a really sagacious thing by getting Dave Mustaine, who his music was starting to be played, and he was legit. You know, he had head headbanger credential. When that was what MTV was going for, it was still very much the classic rock and the sort of grunge generation is what they were they were giving you. And you know, he was out there in a, in a you know a red flannel shirt. He was in, he, he sounded great. It sounded like he actually paid attention. His whole thing was asking questions so that the viewers, the age group who were watching MTV, which admitted I was not watching MTV, but I was aware that this was happening. I thought that was a really great way to make this seem like it's relevant. You know, people, other than that, like, we did not pay attention to the convention in 1988, right? You know, that that was a weird, we were too young, but I mean, we were at the beginning of being, you know, that there was an electoral cycle, but we didn't know our role in it. I wish this choice had never come to me. I wish none of this had happened. So do all who live to see such times, but that is not for them to is the presence of pop culture uh, virtual reunions and the use of them as political tools of the left, is that in any way the sign of apocalyptic leanings? No, there's no element of this, the apocalypse, in, in the part you're talking about. However, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hijack this. I'm going to cowboy your point here and say that... Cowboy my point, baby. Yeah, I don't want to see... Josh Gad in anything. Josh Gad <laughs> ruins all life on Earth. Yeah, he ruins okay. whatever he touches. Oh, it becomes a, a rainbow on. slick of oil on the surface. Oh, 
I think I'm justified in saying this. Look, there are people who enjoy his shtick. He really polarizes people because, I mean, I, I'm not the only person who hates Josh Gad. There's a lot of people who, who will turn in their, you know, like something that looks like we would love it or enjoy it if you put Josh Gad into it. I've heard raisins described as that. If you put raisins in food, it ruins food just by the merit of putting a small little thing. And I think Josh Gad is exactly like that. The fact that I associate the pandemic reunion trend with Josh Gad, again, I'm not saying he invented it, but I associate the origin of it with him. I'm already on the on the fence with the nostalgia thing because I already, I'm already want to like turn my nose away from nostalgia, even if I might like something, but then Josh Gad seals the deal and it says, well, I'm not going anywhere near this. I feel like there's so many celebrities higher on that list for you. I mean, certainly for me, I've never had much of an opinion other than wishing they had gotten someone else for Andre the Giant. I've never had much of an opinion for, of him. You know, one of the celebrities for me that ruins everything. Did you ever watch The Last Man on Earth? So I think I made it into two episodes of that. I was watching it with a then lady friend years ago. We were watching the first episode and I knew nothing about the show. Let me guess. Was, was, it, was, was it Will Forte? Because he's an acquired taste. No, I mean, Will Forte is the... He's the backbone of the show. So we're watching the show and it's just him. And I, I have no positive or negative feelings about him. I thought his Alexander Payne movie was very disappointing because I love Alexander Payne, but that wasn't his fault. We're watching the show. We're watching the show. Do you know who shows up 20 minutes of the first episode? Yeah, I watched it. I'm trying to, I can't remember who you're talking about now. Kristen Shaw. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure. Okay. She ruins everything for me. I admit part of it is because I used to know her personally and she ruins <laughs> in-person experiences for me. So it was like, I was like, hey, the show is a bad. It's a interesting i want to see where it goes and like she pops in the screen and i just like i had to go no it's ruined <sighs> this is a sign of the apocalypse i think there's some good things here in terms of political engagement so i'm happy about that this is a problem in that it pushes the nostalgia buttons even more. Again, something I talked about in the show a lot. Our culture has spent the last five, ten years folding in on itself to the point where we can only express things by referencing past things. And not only does that limit human growth and intelligence, it also makes us more balkanized and that we can only, you know, if you don't get Simpsons quotes, you can't communicate with the other, the person next to you. And these are, these actually have real world negative effects, right? We are living in bubbles. You're, you're right about it. You're absolutely this, right about that. Yeah. If we're going to get to a point and pandemic accelerates this, that the only new culture is talking about old culture. I mean, frankly, I think we're going to adapt. God forbid pandemic lasts five, 10 years, and it will if Donald Trump remains president because they're done trying to do anything about it. I guess we'll do a lot more animated movies or things like The West Wing. I like nostalgia too, but I don't always feel good about liking nostalgia. You know what I mean? We got to advance. And this is this is one of the push-pulls of getting older. You feel shitty because pop culture no longer applies to you and you don't understand the new things, but you understand that's the way it has to be. And your time has passed and you have to accept that. And by the way, we're being explicitly political in this episode. I want to say that one of the several reasons why I have really appreciated the campaign that Joe Biden has run, like many people, I would say he was not my first choice, but I think he's run a very good campaign. And one of the things I've really enjoyed or been heartened by is that he seems, seems to get it, that he will be a transitional figure, that his time more or less has passed. It's a tribute to a person. I think it, you're, you're in a privileged position yeah. to be able to do that. I think it shows intellectual growth that you can accept that you're, the world isn't going to revolve around you anymore. And I think it is emblematic of the Trump coalition. They refuse to accept that. Reopen the coal mine. Go back to this bullshit view of the 50s. What is our topic? The election. Didn't you talk up our accomplishments? I couldn't think of that. 
Just out of curiosity, what if this doesn't work? I don't know, but for sure we're going to blame you. Noah, tell me about jealousy. Is there any aspect of this that somehow rekindles the green monster in you? They are having an outsized impact on the political causes that I want to fight for. And just sitting around bullshitting with your friends and getting your ass kissed for an hour. (laughs) I I was thinking about this watching the Seinfeld thing. They're sitting around with their buddies, getting their ass kissed for an hour, and you're you're having an outsized beneficial impact. I got to do it the hard way. Send every text to some angry person in Wisconsin. You know, things like that. I'm happy to do it. I'm glad I'm doing it. But I wish I could have that outsized impact. I wish I could get my ass kissed and then be told I'm a saint because I'm doing a good deed to get my ass kissed and bullshit with my friends. Also, if we're going to get granular, Larry David said something in the Seinfeld thing that totally made me jealous. He was talking about one time he did stand up. He walked out on stage. He looked at the crowd. He said, I don't think so. And he left. I did something a little like that once at stand up. And I basically got banned from a stand up club for doing that. So it's these celebrities who get away with being assholes and it doesn't impede their career. Interesting. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. Ne- I never had such a luxury because I wasn't as good as they were. I have a jealousy issue that's so, speaking of granular, honestly, it has nothing to do with the trend. Part of the reason why I watched the Lord of the Rings one of these, and that was the only one I watched to its completion, because I remember the the log line of the production of Lord of the Rings was that those four guys, the actors who played the Hobbits, I'm saying, uh, Dominic Monaghan, Elijah Wood, Sean Astin, and the other fucking guy, no one remember, Billy Boyd, that, that, that they went through this experience shooting in, in Wellington, but they had a bonding experience doing just about the coolest thing you can imagine. It's almost like um, boot camp and or living Dungeons and Dragons. I mean, it was a job, but it was also this thing that they've kind of never stopped talking about since then. The Seinfeld people were saying that, like Jason Alexander said, oh my God, it was the most fun job ever, you know, and then we were getting paid for it. That's amazing. And I was thinking like, dude, you got paid. Like you're basically admitting you ripped off the <laughs> the production people in that you demanded millions of dollars right, per episode. Right. Well, yeah. yeah. So it's the jealousy. They they were living a charmed life. They were living in many ways my dream to be, you know, I mean, when you really peel it away, my dream was to be an actor. Yeah. And I found way, other ways to entertain people for money. But, you know, these people these people hit the jackpot in that regard. So let's close, Noah, with the Felonian scale. Where would you put pandemic mm-hmm. reunion phenomena? On the Filonian scale. By the way, would it be better if Jimmy Fallon was leading all these reunions oh instead of Josh God, Gad? No, the, right? Don't, right? Don't make me choose. How much this worse is, would that be? This is, this is like if if Sophie and Sophie's Choice said, "I can't kill both of these kids." <laughs> <laughs> all right, I, you know, I just I can't see. Look, also, I compare Jimmy Fallon a lot to Seth Meyers. I view them as similar people. And Meyers did a really good job with the Seinfeld thing. I My hat's off to him. I have such trouble with this question with some of these topics because they just feel like we're like on this, you know, multifaceted, sixth dimensional XY axis with these things. This is a delicate balance between beneficial and ominous. What are the other topics that that qualifies for? Poke, maybe? Yeah. You know? Yeah. This is the, the, the pandemic... TV political version of Poke. How about that? Yeah, that's not bad. Yeah, yeah I, th- I thought strictly on the basis of n- nostalgia parading is good works. I mean, not that it can't be, but I'm saying it's like, right. It's like, oh, it's it's holy work to do nostalgia because we're we're making money for you know uh, uh, you know one fingered proctology gloves for doctors that kind of thing. Uh, this is this to me is, uh, I'm sorry, it's middle bottom. 
on account of the tedium and the, the sort of exploitation of tired tropes. Even if you, even if good works are coming of this, it's fatiguing. It's exhausting to me. Josh Gad is kind of like the human version of the fucking minions. You know, it's this thing that's just a little doughy little gummy blob that runs around in a squeaky voice making stupid sounds that I just want to punch and run over the car. You know, I'd put it down there with the minions. Just completely disposable pop culture that you grow out of past the age of six and never need to see it again and you feel embarrassed that you liked it in the first place. You have no soul. Man. My soul, None. my soul was chased out of town a long time ago. So I do. I, yes, it was. I do the best I can with the vacancy in my chest, you know. And I think I've done all right. <laughs> I've, I've triumphed over the odds, you know. Yeah, you, you you make it work. You're still alive, my friend, and that's all we can hope for in this day and age. So if you guys would like to find past episodes of our show, look on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Google Play, and Stitcher. Tweet to us at Noah and Bill Show. Write to us, Noah and Bill. Don't get it at gmail.com give us a review on apple podcast that's how people find shows i'm on yep. i am on twitter at william scurry i'm on youtube youtube.com slash am caesar and some of you might have noticed on social media that i have recently uh become a co-host of a spoken word podcast here in amsterdam it's called it, that's called word up amsterdam podcast word up pod word up podcast is on twitter so look out for that if you want to hear about uh, the intersection of uh, you know weird artists and the collision of social justice and spoken word in Amsterdam, all English culture, all English language culture, I would say. But these are uh, people from all over the place. So Noah Tarno, when I'll tell you a thing or two about himself. Big quiz thing, the big quiz thing at bigquizthing.com. Uh, corporate and private trivia events, occasionally public ones as well. Fundraisers a lot these days. The finest in virtual trivia events, coast to coast and beyond. Just booked an event for some people in London. That's always fun. I love the British. I miss. You England. sure it wasn't London, Ontario? Uh, yes, but uh, you know I've had to double check that in the past. Uh, so yeah, learn more at bigquizzing.com. Register for your own personal consultation. Follow us on social media. Thank you. All right, everybody. Until our next episode, we, we don't, don't get, get it. it. A production of American Caesar Enterprises 2020.